Hey everyone, welcome back to the Exert Breakthrough Lab podcast. Uh, as usual, I'm joined by Armando. Hey everyone. And by Dr. Stephen Chung. Hey everyone. And uh, today we're really just going to be talking about training programs. Uh, but before we get into that, I uh, just wanted to catch up with Stephen. How's, uh, how's the recovery going? Recovery is going well. According to my physio, my navicular bone that I broke is actually moving again. So I've been able to pretty much walk this past week without a limp. But I'm otherwise, I'm climbing. I'm uh, working with osteos. I'm working with strength and conditioning coach and rehab. And everything's onwards and upwards. I'm not at the running or jumping stage, but my ambition isn't to run a marathon either. So the rest of my life is great. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Armando? I know yeah. the uh, the Exert Lab's been busy the last couple of weeks. Oh yeah, so we're um, we've been um, you know working on some new software. We you saw that we released uh, these Strava update uh, breakthrough and workout um, workout reports, and those have been received very very well by the community. I'm glad about that and. We've got some few uh, few good updates coming out shortly, so yeah. look for those uh, look for those announcements. Everyone's you gonna... have a big uh, professional milestone, Scott. What happened to you recently? Uh, I defended my thesis proposal, uh, mm-hmm. so I'm officially starting my second year of my master's this year, um, and my committee has deemed that my project is uh, ready at least for data collection, and so. I'll be mm-hmm. really getting into the, the nitty-gritty data collection over the next uh, six months or so. Yeah, it was which, excellent. Which means I'm doing a lot of writing in the lab, uh, helping Scott pilot his protocol yeah. out. Yep. I designed the study just to put Steven through the ringer. Uh, so so I'm, really, I'm really looking forward to that. It'll be, it'll be a good time. Excellent. Yeah, I was there actually listening to the, uh, the presentation and I thought it was very, very well done. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, really to get us back on topic, we always get a little off topic uh, at the start. Mm-hmm. Uh, today we're talking about training programs. Mm-hmm. And um, really one of the big questions that a lot of people have when they're looking at buying a different training plan or, or looking at a coach is really what makes a good training plan or good training program. Mm-hmm. And so would you maybe be able to discuss, is there a difference between a plan and a program? And and what makes it good? Well, um, you know, we, we use the terminology training program mostly to distinguish and give a little bit of, you know, it, you, could, you could think of them being inter- interchangeable, like a, a training plan and a training program. We use the word training program because we don't really often, at least within the adaptive training advisor in the system, there isn't always a plan. You kind of just follow along with a, 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 a protocol and, and a, a method to get your training to improve at a certain rate and for you know in preparation for a particular date. So, so even though there is a plan per se, it isn't it isn't your typical plan where you're going to have preset workouts that are defined on a regular basis, like every Tuesday or every Thursday within your within your uh, your overall you know training plan uh, p- period and possibly weeks in advance or weeks planned out all. Yeah, way in advance. I know, and and there's a lot of plans out there. You can purchase them. They will, you know, they come out in this, you know, document that tells you all these workouts you have to do at, at a given date, and you just follow along with these plans. And so there's a lot of that kind of cookie cutter training plans out there. The you know the training plans can be quite good, right? So if it, if they're well designed. Um, and we'll talk about some of the principles by which we think a good plan is, is a good design. You know, you, does it implement progressive overload? Are you continually adding on your training load and, and training stress and strain over the period of, of the training program? Is that increasing? So, you know, these are elements of a good training plan. Um, they are obviously, do you want them um, to be relevant to the individual and their given, you know, uh, goals as, as part of their training. And I think something that's important to bring up there is when talking about the individual, what might be a good training plan for someone might not be a good training plan for someone else. And there's a lot of factors that go into that. So it could be perhaps their their initial training load. How fit are they coming into this training block? For sure. And, and, you know, so that's the other element is, is it well matched to the individual and where they currently stand? So if you're coming into 
a, a training plan and you're already very fit so you're you've been training and you know you've been doing a whole bunch of workouts and your training load and in, in, in our system could be you know whatever 70 you could be at three stars um, and you follow a kind of another uh, training plan that kind of starts you off a little slower well what's going to happen is you're going to lose fitness at the beginning of the workout or the beginning of the training plan you're the training plan hasn't isn't designed for somebody with that level of fitness and so um so that's the other element that you know you need a training plan not only does it have to be well designed in the first place you know in terms of implementing all the proper design uh, planning protocols but it also has to be well suited to you and where you are and then it also needs to be well suited to where you want to go like what kind of What's your target? What are you trying to accomplish? Is it just, just get fitter or do you actually have a type of event that you want to plan for? Yeah. So as an example, if the three of us, even if our all three parameters or fitness signature is identical and we have the same goal in two months from now, but if for example, Scott, you are busy doing your masters and you haven't ridden in, in two months leading into that training plan, uh, whereas I've been kind of ticking along maybe at a training load of 70 and Armando's at 100. Well, you know, even that, even if we're identical in fitness signature and have the exact same goal of everything else because of our fitness entering into it, um, you know, it's, it still needs that extra layer of customization, individualization, um, in addition, so it's not just a matter of, oh, it's, you know, designed for you and your kind of fitness signature. It's also where you are in terms of your capacity to train, in terms of your ability to tolerate a set amount of workload. Mm -hmm. So there's many, many components. One is, again, your actual individual fitness signature. Another is your status going into that phase of training another is your desired outcome which mm -hmm. can be completely different for everyone and one person may want to be you know focusing more on being a, a long distance grand fondo rider another may be a cyclocross another may be a real kind of crit rider so you know there's there's so many things that goes into mm -hmm. a you know individualizing training that a generic training plan that you just pick up you know has a really tough time matching that to your individual needs. And, and you know, and, and I think a lot of people start off, you know, the, 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 the first place you know you normally start even before you even get to these more details is how many hours a week do you have to train? So, you know, if the more hours a week you have to train, then the, the greater amount of training and the greater the, the overall fitness you can achieve at the end of that period. But there's also the element of, so how much training can you withstand? So, you know, the higher the training load, the more training you can handle. That's true. But even individually, individuals are different. So some people are prepared to really dig deep and dig hard and, and do really, uh, really hard workouts with a lot of strain mm -hmm. early in their training, whereas other people can't. You know, they've got to wait till they build up some fitness before they can really start doing the, the harder, the harder training and uh, the harder workouts. So there's, those are the other factors, right? So, you know, you when you end up kind of looking at it and you think about all the dimensions that you're trying to balance, it's hard and you end up looking for help. So if you're really looking to optimize all of these elements, generally speaking, you're going to work with a good coach and hopefully the coach understands all of these and can, can map out something specific to you. So that's kind of why the coaches are there because this is not a, a simple problem. Um, but, um, Fortunately, what we've done with, with exerting the adaptive training advisor is, you know, if you can't afford a coach or feel maybe, you know, your kind of fitness and ability, your performance level doesn't warrant spending that kind of money because you're just trying to improve yourself. You're not trying to compete. And, we, and a lot of our, our users are like that. Then, you know, the, we have the tools to kind of help you through some of these elements, right? So how do you, how do you know that you're, you're going to improve from where you currently are. Well, that's kind of what the improvement rate in the adaptive training advisor does. It kind of helps you understand, it helps you say, oh, I'm going to move up from where I am right now. So that concept of progressive overload 
is mm-hmm. built into sort of the elements mm-hmm. of the adaptive training advisor. And then, um, you know, are you are you training towards the right target? Are the workouts hard enough for what you can achieve? All those things you can kind of manage on your own. So it's so it's it's different in the sense. So it's more of a, a what I would call a program, not a plan, because you're not really having all these predefined workouts already in your your schedule you're just going to kind of work with that with what the information that you have within the system and trying to map out how that that's going to work best for you so it's a little bit of a blend of kind of addressing all those kind of ambiguities and uncertainties of your regular training um and having some structure and help in, in, in sorting and in sorting through those. And so one of the ways that I think about this with the adaptive training advisor is, is it's really essentially looking at where we are now and where we need to get to and, and helping us plan that, that next little step uh, mm-hmm. versus kind of a, a, a pre-planned program, which might tell you exactly where you need to step. But the first day that you miss an interval day or the, the first day that you went a little bit harder that, than you needed to, mm-hmm. those training programs may start to fall apart there. And that's really where, where Exert's kind of able to excel. Well, this, that whole notion of being adaptive is really key because everyone doesn't, isn't always able to follow the plan. Or even if you are able to follow the plan, maybe you don't actually are able to finish the workout. So you may have every you may have blocked off that 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 hour within that that day that's finished the workout, um, and you can still keep the schedule, but you may not actually be able to complete the workouts. So in which case, well, even in that case, you know you may want to see a little bit of a change in terms of well, the workouts that are going to be planned subsequent to that to kind of address kind of the fact that that workout was potentially missed. So all of these, you know, those are the elements that are needed in in a true training plan, right? It's got to be uh, it's got to be a good plan to start with. So it's got to be one that's going to give you the progressive overload. It's got to be well matched to where you are. Um, and in some ways, it's got to be able to adapt to the fact that you're not, uh, you know, you're unable to either meet it or complete the workouts as prescribed. So those things kind of make 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 it necessary to create more flexibility in, in a in a training in a training program. And that's really where kind of the value and the costs for a good coach comes in. It's not just oh I have the great plan, go follow it, but it's also that frequent communication and frequent updates and adaptations to the plan, and also the fact that ideally the coach has a good handle on how you respond to different loads too. So, um, you know, that's really what, when you're paying for a coach and a really good coach is that frequent updating, frequent, you know, how are you doing today? You know, are you ready for hard workout? Do we need to adapt things based on how you've been riding the last two days or how you've been feeling, all of those things. And, uh, you know, that's what, again, fortunately for coaches that's their value and Mm -hmm. you know kind of unfortunately that's also what you pay for and Mm -hmm. and what you should be looking for in a coach not just Mm -hmm. one that's just going to spit out here's a generic plan go follow it and and come back in in a a month and we'll talk again i mean those training plans they're really inexpensive and they're inexpensive for a reason is that you know you kind of have to figure it out on your own afterwards Mm-hmm. Whereas a again a really good and high level coaching is that you know every week maybe even multiple times within a week there be there be communication back and forth to update and adapt those plans and so that's exactly what a good coach does and that's some of the things mm-hmm. that we try to really have within the adaptive training advisor. That's you know that's a great point. Um, the there are you know, the more goals, there, there's a lot happening in, in people's lives. It's not just about hopping in the bike and pedaling. You know, there's there's other stresses from work stresses. There's other types of activities that people might get involved in. Um, there's you know uh, travel. There's all these elements that can really impact your ability to kind of meet the plan as it's predefined. You know, in advance, and so. Um, you know, this is where the, the coaches will kind of uh, understand and take in all this other other information. Say, oh, okay, well, because of what you've been doing in this situation that you're in, and maybe you're not feeling well, what have you, all that information then pay, uh, plays into prescribing and adjusting the plan 
for for your particular situation and so you know the exert tries to do that as well as it can with the information that you give it so it's taking your power data mm -hmm. and assuming that's kind of be the the main source of the strain and stress of your life and then based upon that kind of uh, map out your uh, prescription so there's all the adaptation and recognition of what's been happening happening to you is is from the data but you know there's a lot of users that we have that will augment what um, what and how they use our system with other third-party assessment tools like whether that's an HRV or a whoop device or um, some kind of assessment that's going to help them kind of confirm or adjust what the adaptive training advisor is recommending and say you know it's recommending that I'm fresh and that I can perform this high intensity workout but reality is I just came off a flight or I'm not feeling well or there's other elements and so let me let me factor that in so you can use these other either your own recognition of what's happening in your life or some data from other systems that are helping you get a, a clearer perspective of you know where you are with your um, your ability to train and you know you can you can either do that on your own in terms of within the software and just matter picking different workouts because of that information we have this the freshness feedback so we introduce that freshness feedback is really in these situations right where you know there's other factors that the system doesn't know about and you need to tell it that yeah you know I want to I want to tone things down so you you slide it to the left on the fitness planner page you slide it to the left to saying you know slow down on my training um i'm not ready yet to really go as hard as as the system is prescribing and then the opposite can occur you know maybe you're the type that can handle a lot more so you want to slide it to the right so maybe the system is thinking you're not really ready for training and you know yourself and you're ready to kind of handle more so take that freshness feedback slide it to the right and this system is going to be more aggressive in terms of its prescription and the difficulty of the workouts that you're going to get so so there is that element that we we give you to give you to provide some of that feedback yeah that's mm -hmm. a great point it's it's definitely we're starting to get closer to really seeing a holistic view of training instead of just simply what i'm doing on the bike we're starting to get some of those how did you sleep last night how's work going and mm -hmm. and take those and be able to actually prescribe meaningful workouts based on that mm -hmm. data which i think is really cool mm -hmm. um, one of the other questions i think that we get uh several times at, at exert is is maybe you've been used to following kind of this three-week build and one week recovery phase for a long time and and you might have set your improvement rate at exert to let's say something like plus one or plus two mm -hmm. uh, and you might notice like hey when do i ever get a recovery week and and there's actually some some math in, in behind that and that exert won't necessarily tell you to take a recovery week when your improvement rate is that low. Um, well, so that's kind of the way the the adaptive training advisor kind of looks at it looks at your um, your accumulated training uh, training load and recovery load and how um, uh, how difficult it is going to be in your situation to actually accumulate that training load. So you may have been doing all this training. You may you may have set it to extreme two, right? And what happens when you do it when you set it to extreme two is you build up all, you know your training load, but you build up a huge amount of recovery load. So when you when the system sees that, it'll it'll actually recommend that you need a recovery week. Um, so, so that's because you, 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 when you're, you're ramping up too quickly, um, you're actually accumulating the recovery load at, at a higher rate. So, so that's typically what you'd want to kind of consider is if you're going to start to, let's say, ramp really hard. He says, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go really hard for the next two weeks. You, it's not, it's a, yeah, it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. Right, so extreme two or even anything aggressive two within that kind of improvement range isn't something that's sustainable. And I think that's your, what you what you really meant by that, mm -hmm. uh, Scott. Is that once the if the once the improvement rate is, is brought down, you don't necessarily are going to run into the, the need to actually recover. Mm -hmm. You have to really pr you know push the system beyond where you currently are. Uh, in order for that demand of additional recovery. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's not to say that you, you, you don't, like the system's gonna give you that recovery inherently, right? Mm -hmm. Because 
um, you're going to get yellow days and you're going to get, you know, red days. And those are days you're going to do your endurance rides or you're going to take some recovery rides. Um, so that's inherent. But, you know, when do you take that recovery week? So if you're taking it easy, you're not really training all that hard relative to your fitness level, you don't necessarily need a recovery week. If you start to aggressively train and, and really ramp up your training, you're likely going to run into one um, more frequently. The other thing that I'll point out, and I see this quite often, is people aren't necessarily on a training program, but they're, they've got a, you know, a set, set of group rides and training that they do on a regular basis. And you'll, you'll, you'll look at your fitness planner and you'll see weeks worth of red and yellow. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're training, if, you're, if your calendar is full of yellow and red for you know, two or three weeks, yeah, that's, that's a sign that you probably should take some time off. You should be looking to get back to kind of freshness level every so often just to give your body a break. So if you're not really seeing those in, in, your, uh, in, your, histor- in your history, in your fitness planner, um, that's probably a, a surefire sign that you need, a, like you need a week off. Yeah, and it's kind of, I mean, we'll touch a bit on the whole polarized idea or whether you go hard or easy and certainly in the summer it's very easy to get lulled into oh i'm just going to do the tuesday night ride uh hammer ride i'm going to do the thursday night time trial i'm going to do the saturday sunday and just do that week after week and yes you will improve but you know you're probably not going to improve as as much if you just every week throughout the summer you just continually do it because you're just going to build up a whole bunch of fatigue and you're not giving yourself a chance to recover. And it's, it's so hard to, to tell any endurance athlete to take a week off. And, you know, those recovery weeks are the hardest things for most athletes because we just want to go, we just want to ride. And, you know, it's nice and sunny. Why am I taking a week off in the middle of summer when it's sunny? And, and uh but you know the thing is you need to let your body recover you just cannot sustain that overall high intensity week after week or even workout after workout and it's the the classic part of the equation is is training actually or kind of the adaptations happen during those recovery phases not during the times where you hammer yourself that's just the stimulus that's just the part telling your body to get better but if you don't allow a time to get better then you're just going to keep burying yourself over and over and eventually you're either going to stagnate or you're going to go over over train but getting back to the original point is yes you if all you were doing for example was going from five hours of easy riding one week to five and a half hours of easy riding next week, maybe, you know, six hours the next week, six and a half hours. Yes, you're building up a bit of strain and extra strain on your body, but at a pretty easy pace. So you probably can afford to do that kind of progression week after week, as opposed to if suddenly I go from five hours a week of easy riding to five and a half hours a week, but, you know, three of them are hard intervals. So that's quite a bit different in terms of, of the need for adaptation and the need to really take a sustained period of lower activity or, or complete rest. Yeah, you know, you know, and you'll see that on your, on your fitness planner, on your calendar. If it's, you know, it's full of blue, you know, blue and green, yeah, that's, you know, you don't need recovery or mm-hmm. recovery week. You only take time off from that. Now, again, that's just from our data, of course. Yep. You know, if you have, a, if you're, we're doing other types of workouts and stuff, then you need to factor those in into the equation. But if all you're doing is riding the bike and you're riding, you know, Stephen was saying, you're just putting in a few hours here and there, and you're having a kind of a slow, progressive overload process, then you're not really putting enough strain in the body to really say, I need to now take the time off. Right? You should be looking for okay, let's let's find opportunities to kind of go harder and create because now you actually have the capacity to do more if you're seeing lots of blue 
you're you're no you have more in you to get to get faster and get stronger so so there's a there's the right balance right you can go too hard and then put yourself in trouble in terms of not giving yourself enough recovery or you could be going too easy and losing opportunity there's an opportunity cost associated with not training enough and that's even applies to what we were saying earlier with training plans right if you don't have the right training plan and you're able to do a lot more work than what's defined in the training plan then you're missing out on an opportunity to get fit right that's that's an opportunity cost so to speak that you're you're you could have you you could have improved over that week but you didn't because the training wasn't sufficient so so that's the thing you need to be looking out for whether you're just following the adaptive training advisor or you're setting your improvement rate or even if you're following a, another you know predefined training plan is you want that progressive overload you want to see that continuous improvement at as at a rate that you can handle that's ultimately what you're trying to achieve yeah and that's what i've been trying to do the last couple of months i managed to after my accident kind of around early august or so i managed to start doing some riding again and my training load for example went from before the accident about 90 and it's dropped to around you know in the 30s when i started riding again and so i know obviously i have a lot of fitness to build up um and but i know i also have a lot of time to do it in because i know i'm skipping cyclocross season i'm aiming for next spring and the gravel season so i have a lot of time so i have that luxury so i'm doing a mostly a gradual build up where i can ride you know fairly long long duration but at fairly moderate and then once my foot was really able to start handling those loads and have enough stability then i can start going in in the last couple of weeks where my foot is feeling good again I've started kind of mixing in intensity in it, given the fact that also September has rolled around and I'm teaching again, I'm back at work, and so my time is limited. So I'm still trying to increase my rate of progression, but I'm switching it from you know, longer, steady, steady uh, rides to, to more kind of hard efforts periodically once or maybe twice a week. And now there's starting to be more red and yellows on my fitness planner. So I now know to you know take, start taking some days off, but knowing I'm accumulating a lot of strain on other days. So there definitely is a time and place for everything. We, uh, we definitely need to uh, give you some recovery days after, after piloting for my study. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was about uh, three, four, mm-hmm. three to eight minutes of hard work uh, on two efforts and... It's like riding a track pursuit. It was just hard, you know. After uh, you don't want to do too many of those, so we have to you have to follow the you know polarized methodology for the for the training. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> so that's a that's actually a great point, and I think if you if you want to start an uh, an internet fight mm. on any mm. with any cyclist, mm. uh, you can just direct them to any sort of forum that talks about polarized versus sweet spot training. Mm. And I think we're, for the most part, we're, we avoid this discussion, but we do have some mathematical insights that, that I think we can share on, on whether a polarized or a sweet spot training plan might be right for you. Well, you know, this kind of folds into what we were just talking about earlier, right? About in terms of what can you accomplish and how much training can you handle? Um, and how, what's, the, what's the mechanisms by which you can really pile on lots of training and whether that's going to impede your ability to kind of achieve the kind of levels that you can achieve. So these are now getting into the more the details on a day-to-day basis, week-to-week basis on what and what you can do. And so, um, so that's really you know the key to progressive overload and in what how high can you make it? Um, so you, it's it's it, progressive overload in in historically has just been kind of just the amount of training so it's the amount of hours you've done or the amount of miles you've ridden um so it's been calculated that way we've we've taken it through uh you know it's a multi-dimensional aspect mm-hmm. with an exert so it's not we're not just trying to train you across one dimension we're trying to tra- train you across three dimension and as a result the the body responds and its fatigue is different across these three dimensions that's kind of what we've seen from the data and so what that means is that you're able to kind of build 
uh, on your kind of low intensity training load, kind of stuff really, you know, well below, below threshold, you can build a lot of that. You can handle a lot of that training load. You know, you don't really need a lot of recovery. So if you go off and ride real easy for, you know, a couple hours, you don't really need to recover from that the next day and, you know, and, and hold off on more training. You can pile, pile on. But if you did the same in high intensity, you've accumulated a lot more fatigue. And so the, the, that requires more, more recovery. So it's kind of like, um, you know, when you're doing weight training, right? You, so you, you're, you're going to work different systems and you allow one system to recover and you can still work another system while that other system recovers. So that's kind of the same principle applies to our three systems where, you know, while your high intensity and peak intensity systems, they, they were just really stressed and strained from that high intensity workout, those need to rest. And so you'll see that as yellow training status. It's either yellow or red, but red means all systems need, need, need to rest and are mm -hmm. in exert. Yellow means that your peak and high intensity systems need to rest, but you haven't really put a hard, you didn't put any kind of major strain on your low intensity system. So that means you can go ahead and, you know, get on the bike, you can ride again. You can do a long endurance ride because your, your body can, is still ready to handle more load from a low intensity standpoint, but you should avoid the high intensity and the peak intensity because that mm -hmm. needs to rest. So that's how the polarization essentially works within exert. It basically says, go and do a heavy, a hard intensity interval, um, high intensity workout. Um, you're gonna need a bit of time to recover from that. And it just works out where it's roughly, you know, this 80, 20, again, it depends on the intensity and depends on you and your ramp rate and all these other factors will come into play, whether it ends up being at 80, 20, but in general, that's kind of what you'll end up seeing. If you're just following along with, with your training is that you're going to do high intensity. You're going to, you're going to see yellow for a few days while you do kind of endurance rides, and then it's going to go blue again. And then you can get back into your high intensity interval training. And that's all going to be spaced out for you so that you're going to be recovered enough uh, during that high intensity interval uh, workout so that you can complete it and that you're not trying to do them too closely together or back to back where it's going to, you know, you're going to struggle to complete those workouts. There is a time and place to kind of throw caution to the wind. And another really nice paper from the Ronestad group in it came out 2014 was looking at this front load periodization and I've tried it and last year I got into trying it but and I wrote about it on Pez Cycling News my experiences both going into it and, and afterwards and that's a situation where the typical you know athlete does again maybe two hard workouts a a week and they're evenly spaced so you know tuesday and friday for example every day for four weeks but what ronestad did was look at okay let's say over a uh, four week cycle you have eight workouts and typically it's spread out four weeks of two workouts what happens if i front load them and say the first week had five really hard workouts and they're really really ridiculously hard and then the next three weeks is almost like maintenance where all the rides are easy except for one hard workout. So instead of two, 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 in terms of workout spacing over the four weeks, it's five, one, one, one. And I've personally tried it. You need to be really, really well prepared for it. Have a high fitness going in, in terms of training load so that you can absorb that and know that you're going to be deep in the red for the next while. And, um, but I found it super effective. I did it in January and I increased my, uh, and most of my hard workouts were either a combination of the Ronestad workouts, my favorite workouts or else four by eights. And, and I found my average eight minute power increasing about 20, watts over that uh, period and it was sustained so there is a time and place for everything it's not always just you know you have to go straight to you know fully polarized you have to go to you know, sweet spot there's a lot of innovative ways to train and one of the really nice things with the training 
advisor and a planner in Exert is that you can kind of test out these theories of what would happen if I did a front load block. What would the impact be? What would be my fatigue state? What would be my freshness state? What would be my anticipated fitness signature? So you can almost do experiments on yourself and say, what might different types of training, if I load it with different kind of workouts, distribute it differently, how might it look? And it'll give you a good idea. It may not be exact, but it'll give you a good idea of how you're going to come out of it at the end. So the good thing is you can try it and model it without doing years and years and years of these kind of testing on yourself. So that's really one neat feature that we have in the in Exert and with the fitness planner. Well, there's the whole idea of, you know, overreaching and the kind of benefits, right? So mm -hmm. if you can truly map out how much you can overreach and really push yourself, you know, it's, it's okay sometimes to train in the red like you're just describing, Stephen, you know, these, these kind of block periodization, it's about really, really digging hard, taking advantage of the fact that the body's actually, you know, trying to recover while you're really, you're really putting it through more and more strain. And somehow that, that as you come out of that, you end up being a little bit stronger had you spread out that same kind of training. So that's kind of what, what the block periodization kind of works out for you. So, you know, you, you can do workouts when you're on red. In fact, you can benefit from them, but it's not sustainable. It's not something you can just do all the time because mm -hmm. you, you are going to get overtrained and you're going to suffer from overtraining syndrome. And that's really not something you want to ever get to because it's really difficult at times to get out of that situation. So, so you want to be looking at and, you know, monitoring your fatigue level. Mm -hmm. You want to ensure that you don't dig yourself too deep of a hole that you can't get out, uh, out of. And, you know, and you can obviously monitor yourself, um, you know, always, always respond. You know, the system's going to give you some data, but you should be really listening to your body as much as, as much as you can. Like that's really the source of the information for you and use our system to kind of support what you may already be understanding or feeling from your training. So, so yeah, so you can, you can certainly, you know, uh, manipulate these situations and perhaps even get a little bit even better, um, results out of that. Um, but actually one of the things just to go back was you talked about the sweet spot and we didn't really mm -hmm. mention that. Yep. So yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. You, um, you know, do we get that question a lot? And so, um, what, in in the blog that we wrote about sweet spot and polarized i think you just the, the thing that to keep in mind is that everyone's a little bit different um and so when you look at sweet spot and the kind of percentages that are that are, are offered they don't always account for the individual differences and so some people can do the sweet spot training and they do it every day and they'll do a tw you know two by 20s every day not a problem and you know, they can do back to back to back. Whereas others, you know, they're going to start getting tired. And I think the principle that we, people should understand is that the sweet spot is really meant as base training. It's just a way to kind of accelerate potentially get more base training for a smaller in a, a shorter period of time because it's moving you closer to threshold. Mm -hmm. So it's effective in doing that. But if, if you ever get to the point where you can't get, you, you, you're too tired to complete the training, then it's probably gone a little bit too far because you shouldn't, as we were saying earlier, when your low intensity system, it should be fresh. You should be building that fitness. You should always be fresh enough to continue and build and create and build volume. That's what the kind of the base phase of your training is all about is really building up the capacity to really handle a lot of volume in your training. That's what the base period helps mm -hmm. you achieve. And if you follow a training program that has sweet spot and it's not allowed you to build that volume because you need to rest or you just can't handle those workouts, then you're missing again, that opportunity cost comes back in. You're missing the opportunity to add volume, dial it down a little bit, uh, add make them a little bit longer and then you get this, the benefits from that. So, so, so don't feel like the, the nature of the sweet spot itself is what you're benefiting from. It's just giving you a way to kind of accelerate your, the benefits. 
But if you have the time and you have the mm -hmm. capacity, you don't need to do them. You just want to really accumulate as much volume as you can and ensure that the training you're doing doesn't impact your ability to kind of build that volume. For me, being a, very much so a slow twitcher, a, a more, much more so of an endurance athlete, uh, I can do a lot of low sweet spot uh, mm -hmm. considering my LTP is around 80% of threshold. And so a lot of the 75, 80, maybe up to 85 is all very rel relative to my fitness signature, relatively low intensity. And that's something that I could do day in and day out, mm -hmm. uh, no problem. But somebody that might be more of a fast switcher where LTP might only be 60 or 70% of threshold. Mm -hmm. If you're asking them to do 75, 80, 90% of, uh, of threshold power several times a week, they're, they're going to find themselves burned out on that pretty that's quick. Right. And exactly. And, and so, the other yeah. challenge was sweet spot training and, and again, there's a time and place for everything, but it's also mentally just draining. If every day, all you were doing is three by 20, <laughs> over and over and over and at the same wattage. And especially if you're indoors on a trainer and you're just clamped at, you know, 200 Watts and just ride and ride and ride for 20 minutes at a time, it's pretty mentally draining. So one of the nice things with with our smart workouts, which we talk about in other podcasts, is we can achieve that same kind of stimulus, but with a lot more entertaining workouts that have some variability that, that you're adjusting wattages and stuff. So there's a lot more variety than, than that too. But yeah, so there's many ways. Sweet Spot isn't just about three by twenties or two by twenties or three by thirties or anything like that. It is really about that idea of accelerating your, your endurance and uh, your aerobic capacity. And really also the way we try to do it is also have workouts that are much more varied and interesting. That's a great point. And that's something that you know, we talk about accelerating the benefits of your base training. So one of the approaches that you'll see within exert and its workouts is that there's a lot of these kind of sweet spot intervals or, or LTP intervals that are done under fatigue. So you'll see a lot of that where you're, you're really going to do a high intensity interval and the, really the intent of the high intensity interval is not to get the benefit of them from the high intensity per se, but it's to create some fatigue so you can get, you can boost up that kind of low intensity benefit. So the, the, the math in exert kind of works that way. And so a lot of the workouts, you leverage that kind of that, that principle that if you, if you do kind of lower intensity under fatigue, that that low intensity system is going to get a little bit more benefit uh, as a result. So you'll see, you know, kind of sweet spot under fatigue or, um, you know, where your MPA is brought down and then you're trying to hang on to a, a pretty high intensity interval you know, and, they're, and you do these over, over an hour, they're really hard. Um, mm -hmm. like they're almost like a, they're like a can be a high intensity interval, but it is a way to kind of build up a lot of strain, low intensity strain in a very short period of time. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. a, that's a great point there. I like mm -hmm. doing some of those pulling that MPA down and then just holding it right at LTP and help using that decrease in MPA to help accelerate those gains. Yeah, you know, if, um, you, if you only have a few hours a week um, and you're trying to get the best bang for your buck out of a few hours, that's another technique you can you can employ. Yeah, and that's where also with MPA and exert and our modeling of strain order matters, mm -hmm. right? Of of uh, the whole purpose of doing those hard efforts work work first is to get your MPA down and then the, the lower efforts afterwards become, you know, in a way harder efforts and, uh, and they accumulate more strain that way. Just like I know some of the hardest workouts I've done are ones kind of almost like simulate a, a breakaway where you at the start of a 20 minute kind of a sweet spot type effort where you're at 85% of your threshold power, for example, but you start out with three or four max, max hard efforts over the course about the first minute, minute and a half. And that just drains your MPA or this was, I was doing these well before I started with exert and I was wondering, how can these be so hard? And, you know, you model them on exert afterwards and you realize, yeah, that's because my MPA has drained and it's stayed drained 
throughout the remainder. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's an, a very effective way to kind of accelerate things further. Mm-hmm. And like we said, order matters. If we were to do the low intensity with the high intensity interval at the end, it totally defeats the purpose of it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I think that's uh, important to remember. The last really topic that I want to that I want to bring up with the, the two of you today is is kind of annual training programs. Um, as far as if for those of us in the northern hemisphere who are looking to go into winter, and now those of us that are kind of looking at our races for next year, how do we go about starting to plan for those um, for those events, those target events in Exert? So um, in in Exert, we you know you have the our training program. So if you're not if you're not familiar with you know you can certainly read up on it. But in summary, there are 120 days, and you know we get questions like, well, you know, how do I plan out my training in a year? Well, you know the it's not the work you you know if you're trying to if you're aiming and you're trying to plan and be prepared for something that's a whole year out from now. Well, the reality is any, anything you do today is going to have very, very, very little impact on what benefit you're going to get from that in a year's time. Because you think about it, it's just, it's, it's a whole year away. So, so as you get closer to your event, the stuff that you do in preparation is more and more important. So the, the importance of your training and the specifics of your training and the exact kind of training you do, the volume that you do and the intensity that you do it becomes more and more important the closer you are to your event, all the way down to the tapering that you got to do on a day-to-day basis leading into that event. So, so, so your, the structure of your training gets more important the closer you are to that event, right? So, so putting, a, putting in a, a structured training plan for a, a, an event that's a year out today, it, you know, it's not necessary. You don't, you, don't worry about following a plan and, you know, you know, following the any kind of plan or program or the adaptive training advisor even. Just, you know, for the time being, just kind of ride, enjoy it. Try and maintain some level of fitness for the time when the training is going to start to be more meaningful. We set it at about 120 days because we kind of think that, you know, yeah, you could probably extend it out to 150, but 120 seems to be a good number where you're going to go through a period of base training for the first 45 days you're going to again go through a build phase for the next 45 days and then for the remaining 30 it becomes kind of peaking where you're really going to be focused in on the type of event that you're that you're aiming for and then you're going to go through that taper in that fall in the in the last week so that's how the training programs work with an exert they're, they're that 120 day period but you don't have to start 120 days and kind of follow it all along for 120 days you can change it midstream mm-hmm. right or you can start it halfway in the middle if you wanted to you just got to know that it's 120 days and it's 45 45 30 all the time and so if you got multiple events then and they're a month apart then yeah you could potentially peak for one and then switch over your athlete type because maybe one was more of a time trial and the next one is going to be more of a uh, of, a, of a crit or what have you, you're going to change it from time trialist over to puncher or what have you. So you can, and, and then you'll get that last month of focused training for that particular time trial. And then right afterwards, you right into another peak phase where you're going to start to really hone in on, on, the, on the, um, the, the adaptations and the, um, the training load that you're looking to build up and the focus that you're going to have for that, for that subsequent event. So that's one thing you just got to be thinking about. It's not the same that you're that you're typically seeing, where you have like, you, you know, your A events, your B events, and your C events, and you're you know you're mapping out everything in advance. It's not doesn't well. You you could work like that with an exert. We just the adaptive training advisor doesn't do it that way. It just allows you to to change on the fly as you see fit. If you think you have a an A event, you want to taper then taper for it, you know, Mm -hmm. give yourself some break and, you know, prepare yourself for that event and for, you know, give yourself a week off so that you're going to be fresh during that event. You know, Mm -hmm. if it's, if it's not an A event, then train through it. You don't have to, you don't taper, just kind of train through it. So you don't think you necessarily need to have everything pre-mapped out with that level of, you know, this, this specific kind of 
events and every date leading into everything over your entire year, you know, you can certainly, you can do the same and get the same results just by being a little bit more flexible and aware of what's really, of what's really mm -hmm. necessary. And being able to change that improvement rate and the athlete type as, as needed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and, and that's mm -hmm. what I'm doing now. Again, my typical kind of summertime peak kind of performance training load is around 90. I know kind of it's 90, 95 range. After my accident, it dropped to about 35. So again, when I started riding in mid-August, um, you know, knowing that my next event is really literally like eight months away in, in gravel season in April, um, you know, again, there's no need to rush it back. So I'm, I set my improvement rate to about one to two and, um, and obviously trying to see how my foot feels, but now I've built my training load from 35 over the last six, eight weeks to about 50 so i know i still have about 40 to go which is you know can be a lot to progress and my threshold power as an example is uh has dropped from typically peak season around 245 down to 205 now it's back up to about 218 so i know i still have a ways to go so i'm still continuing this long gradual build up so what i've just um just done is set really to the end of this year so to end of december to um, as my you know target and i've set rather than my specific i know in gravel it's typically around a focus of five or six minutes so either breakaway specialist or roller i've set my athlete type for the end of december to be you know, uh, about a 10 minute power. So about a climber GC kind of idea. And then once I get into January and, you know, it is closing out to three months or four months to gravel season, then I'll switch it more than towards the roller or the breakaway specialist. So you can, you know, build long-term training into an exert kind of training uh, advisor also and that's an example of how i i'm approaching this coming few months there's you know there's a lot of users that we are in our system and they're really they're not targeting any, any event mm -hmm. so you know there's the opposite side of this is where you know there's i don't have a target event i just want to i just want to ride and just want to stay fit you know so how can how can we help with that well you don't necessarily have to have a target event date you don't have to you know, you, you can set your focus athlete type to be kind of what you want to be good at. You know, I just want to ride and, you know, I want to be a great puncher. I just want to be able to smash it and, you know, real, really dig in and, and do well on, on hills and, and short punchy hills. So let me, let me do some more workouts along those lines. So if you, if you, if you set your target event date sort of outside of this 120 day window in the system, it's not going to prescribe any kind of specific period um, uh, periodized approach you're not going to get base build and peak it's just going to give you you know rough training around your particular focus athlete type and if you set your improvement rate it's actually you're going to improve it'll give you an amount of training you need to do to continue to improve now there's not an end date to this improvement it's just going to be something that you're going to have to watch for yourself and say okay i want to do this you know i want i want my threshold to go from to 220 to 240 over this period and I want you know I want to see a, a gradual improvement um, given the amount of hours that I have to train so so you govern the improvement rate that you have based on the hours that you have available so so that's perfectly normal in fact mm -hmm. we have a lot of people kind of do it that way they don't necessarily train for particular events they just want to just want to be fit and they want to see how well they can improve and, and you know, what it takes to improve. So mm -hmm. the you know, system can certainly help you with that. Yep. Pick the athlete type that has the workouts that you like the most. <laughs> or that, yeah. yeah. Um, there is one, one mm -hmm. thing that you mentioned before that I just wanted to, to briefly touch mm -hmm. back on. And, and that was kind of how do you plan the taper in such a way that you know that you're prepared for an event? So when we're talking about those athletes that are looking at their A event and and for example, let's say it's going to be uh, this road race with around 200 XSS. Mm -hmm. how, how would you maybe help them manage or help them know that they're trained enough for that event? So 
so planning to taper it's the the method that I think I've seen people start to do and what I've and I've also recommended that they do um, and you can kind of do this as well for your overall training in preparation so it's it's the method basically is you 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 take an, a, a, a sample event that you may have either you've done the event before so you take last year's data or you take and you, you estimate what this events could be like so if it's 200 XSS you're going to look for an activity that has you know, roughly 200 XSS with the same focus that you want for that activity and you use the planner and you just take the plan and you and you drag it into the plan and Essentially, what you want to do is in planning your taper, as, as well as planning your overall training, is you want to make sure that you can complete that event without being so deep in the red afterwards that you're going to, re you're going to require multiple days of recovery. So that's really the key. So you want to both taper into the event so you're fresh enough, and you want to have enough training load built up as well so you want to be fresh with your run of training load such that post event you're not seeing all the challenges of trying to recover but what's really happening if you think about that if so if you're blue going into an event and you're red deep red after that event well that meant that during during the actual event itself you became more and more and more fatigued to the point where you started blue and you ended red so that means that you weren't really prepared for that event. You needed more training load. And so you're typically going to look at about, I don't know, about a third. So if your event's 300 XSS, you kind of want to be around 100. Because if you're at 100 and you go into it relatively fresh, then you're going to come out of it relatively fresh as well. Not fresh, but not overly fatigued, let's put it that way. Yeah. So that's really how you're kind of mapping out both your taper as well as your preparation. Is you kind of think about how big is your event. If you're preparing for like a 600 XSS event, you you, you know then yeah you kind of if you you and you want to compete, yeah you want to build up a lot of a lot of training load because people are going to go into it are going to be at the 150. You know, highly competitive levels. Two hundred training load isn't isn't out of out of the question for for some athletes, and they're the ones that are going to be able to handle these kind of extended long events, professional level kind of events where you're generating you know huge amounts of XSS. That's what it takes to kind of prepare for those. But if your events shorter, you know, then then obviously you may not need as much training load, um, and then you just want to map it out so that. You, you know, you plan out that day and you work backwards and say, okay, you know, how to make sure that my training status is going to be blue on that day. Where, is, where, where, where am I going to be in three, three days beforehand, four days beforehand? So that's kind of the way I would kind of look at it mm -hmm. is kind of work backwards from that event, both from a tapering standpoint, as well as from, you know, do I have enough training load to really be competitive or just to, let's say, complete the event? And it also depends on whether it's a you know multi-day event, for example, or a mm -hmm. one-off. To mm -hmm. how much, how much kind of fitness you need going into it. If it is a multi-day, then you know you're going to need, in a sense, even more fitness even so more. that you can mm -hmm. recover from each day. It also mm -hmm. plays out right now for those of you cyclocross fanatics out there, where it's almost like it is a two-day stage race if you're racing Saturday, Sunday because you have hard, hard efforts right back to back. So it's not just a matter of I need enough fitness for the Saturday race. I also need to recover in time to really be able to put out that hard effort again, again on Sunday. And then to layer on even more is, okay, if I am so drained and so in the red that, you know, my next five six days are all red then how am i going to be able to kind of get ready for the uh you know for the next weekend's event so a lot of that fitness and training really comes over the over the summertime where you're building a big kind of endurance capacity mm -hmm. so that you can go into cross season and not necessarily be cross season is really a you know two week or two months long uh, taper in many ways. Right? You can't be accumulating hours and hours and hours of training, both because of the fall weather and also because you're racing every weekend, sometimes twice on a weekend. 
So it's almost like you're trading all of that volume that you've accumulated over the summer for short-term high effort kind of intensity, but you still need enough fitness to, to be able to recover. And that's why, again, in the mm -hmm. pros, you see them take a mid-season break where they'll skip competition for one to even two weeks and just go to warm weather and just ride base levels again just to rebuild their their fitness so that they can you know have that capacity to to uh, hit the accelerator hard again day after day on the weekend for the second half of the season mm -hmm. that's so true uh, you know your the the greater the you know your fitness the your higher your training load is the faster you recover mm -hmm. right so the more you more training you can do by definition by having a high training load it's really meant that you've been you're able to recover and you're doing a lot more training as it is you're able to handle kind of these back-to-back -back events more uh, easily and so um, you kind of you want to build up that training load in preparation so that you can you're recovered enough so that you can um, you know you can perform them without really getting overly fatigued yeah all right that was a uh, that was an awesome discussion that we had today um, mm -hmm. I, I really enjoyed that uh, do you have anything else that uh, that perhaps I might have missed um, I don't know. Uh, your how's your how's your training coming along? You, would, would you have any any plans for the uh, this coming fall? Uh, his masters. That's what his <laughs> plan my, is. My, my data collections is my advisor right, right. sitting yeah. here. So. He's planning for okay. vitamin D deficiency by being in, a, in the windowless lab for weeks uh, on end. Nice. I get to watch other people pedal their bikes. Okay. So, so that's my go. training plan for this okay. fall. Uh, Anything, no. anything else, Stephen? No. Nope, I'm all good. That's, that was all great. Right. Well, thanks for thanks everyone for joining right. us. Uh, we look forward to uh, to talking to you next time. Great. Oh, we forgot to mention that we're not in the uh, the Toronto chapter of the uh, Breakthrough. Oh, Lab. Yeah. We're actually in my my clubhouse in uh, my man cave in the <laughs> uh, Southern Ontario in the Niagara part of the Breakthrough Lab. So satellite the, office. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. All right, that's okay. awesome. Well, we'll see you guys next time. Yeah, see you again soon. Ciao, everyone.